All right, so we'll say good morning. Let us begin by thanking our sponsor, Tamotor sponsors for the month of Tamos. Adam and Yudip and Zeph for dedicating all the Shurman Shoshos this month in honor of their children, Jake, Serena, and Rosie. To thank our Dafyomi sponsors for today, Rabbi Larry and Florence Ziffer, in memory of Larry's father, Pinchas ben Yosef Ali Melech, Sikhon Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Talmud Torah, the Neshama have an Aliyah and the family in the Chama. And to thank our Dafyomi sponsors, Mr. and Mrs. Yehuda Buchwalter, on the occasion of the birth of a daughter to their children, Nochum and Leah Rivkamand. Mazel Tov, Mazel Yehuda, Mazel Tov, 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 Mazel Tov. Incredible, what a way to start the day, Baruch Hashem. All right, so with that, let us begin. Today's daf is Ayin Aleph 71, and we are picking up on the bottom of Ayin Amud Beis. 70B, literally two lines up from the bottom. Kidesh Yadav Viragla. So once I remember again, the Mishnah, the Mishnah continuing through the Avodah of Yom Kippur. And interestingly enough, one of the fascinating facts that came out of yesterday's Mishnah, although I guess intellectually we knew it, it's interesting to see it in print, is this idea that the Kohen Gadol left the Kaf and the Machta inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, right? Remember again, when he did the Ketoras, the incense offering, he left the, he left the ladle and the fire pan inside of the Holy of Holies. Because remember again, the Kodesh HaKadoshim has to fill with smoke. That's part of the Avodah of the day. And then again, the Mishnah highlighted, he goes back in to go ahead and retrieve them. So says the Gemara, we learned in Abraisa, Uba Aaron al Oamoid. Aaron comes to the Oamoid. To the Mishkan. Lama Huba. Why does he come to the Oamoid? So we'll say, so again, the, the Pasik, the Pasik, the way the, the Pasik that's quoted is Uba Aaron al Oamoid. Aaron will come to the Oamoid. Upashat is big di habada shalavash beva oshama lakos shinikam sham. So we'll say, so it's interesting that why does the, why does the Torah relate? that Aaron is coming back to the Oamoid. Why? So the Gemara says, Lama huba lahoti esakaf v'yeshamachta. Interestingly enough, to go ahead and remove the ladle and the fire pan from the Kodesh HaKadoshim. It's coming back in to remove the utensils. Top of Ayin Aleph. Debosene, here's what's unique about this Pasuk. Shekola parashakula ne'emra ala seder. Because it was the entire rest of the section of the Avod of Yom Kippur is written in the proper chronological order. Chutzmi Pasuk Zeh. Both said the exception is this one Pasuk, which is written out of order. So the Gemara says, my time. So how, how, how do you know that it's written out of order? From where do you see that? Amrav Chista, both said, listen to this. So Gemiri, Chamish Tevilos, Vasara Kiddushin Tova Kohen Gadol. Omekadish Babayam. Both we actually had this in the beginning of Masechta. That over the course of the Avodah of Yom Kippur, the Kohen Gadol goes to the Mikvah five times, and there are 10 Kiddushin, right? 10 Kiddushin means 10 times he sanctifies his hands and feet. Now both say, those two numbers are related, right? Why are those two numbers related? Because every time you go to the mikvah, what happens? There's Kiddushadayim Raglayim before and after, okay? So therefore, five immersions equals 10 Kiddushin. So the Gemara says, Tova Kohen Gadol, I'm sorry, Chamish Tevilos Vasari Kiddushin, Tova Kohen Gadol Umekadish Bobayom. Kengadah goes to the mikvah five times and does ten kiddushin yadayim v'raglayim ten times throughout the day. V'i amrit kisidron ksivi. Now, I'll say the Gemara says, if you read the psukim, 
and you read the order as it is written. The problem is you'll only come out with three immersions and six kiddushin. Therefore, it must be that this particular phrase, is written out of order. I maybe maybe Halakhalamaisi interrupts the service with the seer that's done outside. Look at Rashi. Bisir Nasabachots, Rashi says, Kidhsiv, Kidhsiv, um Okay, it's not the right. Okay, let's see Rashi. Bisir Nasabachots, Kidhsiv, Milvant Khatasa Kipurim, Bu Eno Kosov Khan, Aval Elo Vaela Am Dafka Kasino Kra. So ultimately, again, perhaps, the soyer is done, right? Interrupts the order. The Pasik says he will go out and perform his Ola. From the time he goes out the first time, that's when he performs ultimately his ayol and the ayol of the nation. Rava Amar Rava says, Amar Kra, the Pasik says, Upashat as big day habad. The Pasik says he will take off the linen clothing. Shein Tamud Lomar Asher Lavash, because we'll say the Pasik now, the Pasik reads, Upashat as big day habad Asher Lavash. He will take off the, the linen clothing that he wore. So the Gemara says that phrase, Asher Lavash, that he wore, is unnecessary. But say a person could only take off what? That which he was wearing. Rather, what does it mean when it says That which he was wearing already, indicating again a prior part of the service. Maybe we quote unquote interrupt the avoda that's done in big day lavan with the seir that's done outside. Haksev vayatsa vaasa. Pasik says he will go out and he will perform the chala parsha kula neemra ala seder. Now is that to say that the rest of the parsha, aside from this, is written in the chronological order? But the pesukim says as follows: as chilav hachatos yaktir hamizbecha. The pasuk says the chilav hachatos. You will go ahead and offer up on the Mizbeach. Vahadar, ves parachatos, ves sirachatos. And then it says, the par of the chat, right? The parachatos and the sirachatos. Ve'ilu aram tanan. And I will say, we learned in yesterday's Mishnah, or to our Shabbos' Mishnah, haroa es koin gadol kishu kore, eino roa parvesar nisrafin. Here I will say, we learned that Allah Chalamaisa, if you saw the koin gadol doing the Kriya Torah, you were unable to see the par and the sire being burned. Ve'ilu, but yet at the end of the day, the limbs of the chatos were burned afterwards. Rather, what you have to say is, it's not just only this particular pasuk of the coin going ahead and retrieving the kaf and the machta from the Kodesh HaKadoshim that is out of order. Rather, from this pasuk forward, many of the avodos that are mentioned are not mentioned in a chronological order. So the Gemara says, So we'll say, so again, just to point out, all, all the Gemara is pointing out of Yerbosai is, up until this particular Pasuk, 
the Avodah of Yom Kippur, as written in the Torah, was as actually executed in the Mikdash. So in other words, it followed a specific chronological order. This Pasek, from this Pasek forward, we have a number of things just that are not, that are not written in chronological order. That's all that the Gemara is trying to highlight over here. Umay Chazis, Dimishabeshes, Kroi, Shabish Masnisa. So we'll say this is very interesting. Now here's what's happening over here. The reason the Gemara is saying that the Pesukim are written out of order, listen to how fascinating this is. The reason the Gemara is saying that the Pesukim are written out of order is because that the order of the Pesukim doesn't match the order of the Mishnah. Right? Remember, again, I was saying yesterday's daf, we saw the Rambam Paskin like Rabbi Akiva in the order of the Avoda. Interestingly enough, what the Gemara is highlighting is that the order of the Mishnah does not match the order of the Psukim, which then leads the Gemara to say that what? That the order of the Psukim must be out of order. To which the Gemara says, why, why do you say that? Or is out of just the opposite. If the Mishnah and the Psukim don't match up, which perhaps is out of order, which is out of order? The Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Umay chazis de Mishabesh as why do you assume that the psukim are messed up? Not messed up, are, are, are out of order, right? Shabish mas nisa. Maybe it's the Mishnah. Amrabai, Amrkra, Vamishaliach, Vahasoref. So I'll say, so the Basak speaks about the person who sends out the Sir Lazazel and the Soref, the one who burns the Sir Lashem. Ma Mishaliach, the Meikara, just like the Mishaliach was done originally, was done beforehand. Af sorev de meikara. So to the sorev that is mentioned in the pasuk also means the sorev that was done before. Adraba mas sorev tahashta af mishaleach tahashta. I guess just the opposite. Maybe just like the sorev, right? The sorev is being done now. So to the so to the shiluach, the sin of the shiluach is also being done now. To which the gemara says v'ham mishaleach de meikara mashma. The one who sent away that indicates something that was already done before. Rava Amar, Rava says, Amar Krav, the Pasuk says, Ya'amot Chai, Rava says that the, right, this is talking about this, the year Asher Allah, Allah Hagora La'azazel. This is the year La'azazel, must be Ya'amot Chai, ultimately again, must be standing, must be alive. Admasa Yezokok La'amot Chai, how long does the year La'azazel have to remain alive? Ad Shas Kapara, until Kapara, until atonement, is achieved through the Seir La'azazel. Excuse me, through the Seir La'ashem. Ve'emasai Shas Kapara. And when is the Shas Kapara completed? B'Shas Matan Domim. From the time of the blood application, V'Sulo. And ultimately, again, no longer after. Once we've actually spoken about this before, then Allah Chalamaisa, we see something really fascinating about the Seir La'azazel. Just, just as an aside, that the Seir La'azazel has, right, has the ability to achieve atonement, but interestingly enough, the Seir La'azazel, it appears, doesn't actually have to make it off the cliff in order to achieve atonement for Klal Yisrael, right? We've seen a number of different things. We've seen that again, if the Seir La'azazel makes it past the Goral, makes it past the lottery, according to some, you're good. Now we see another idea that as long as the Seir La'azazel is alive, while the blood application of the Seir La'ashem takes place, that's enough. We saw two days ago on Shabbos, we saw that as long as the Seir La'azazel is alive, once it gets to the desert, right? As long as it makes it to the desert, that's going to be enough. We'll say, bottom line, take-home message from the first part of this daf is that halacha la'maysa, 
from this Pasek in on Uba Aronach El Oamoid, which is a Pasek that discusses Aaron going back into the Holy of Holies in order to retrieve the Kaf and the Machta, the Avoda is written out of order. That, that's the idea to remember. And again, the order that we saw in the Mishnah, the order that we saw in the Akiva, that is the proper, yesterday's that, that is the proper order of Avoda. But when you go through the Chumash, again, from this Pasekin on, th- not everything is out of order, but there are a number of things that are out of order. Good. So let's go right there. We'll, we'll see, by the way, I'll show you that we'll, we'll go through the Rambam, maybe we'll do it even tomorrow, Mir Hashem. The Rambam, actually, in, in Parak Dalit, in Hilchos Avalos Yom Kippurim, in Seifim Aleph and Beis, really goes through all of the Avodah. It actually will bring everything we do, every, everything we have learned, or bring it together in concise form. You'll see the entire timeline. So we'll say, so the Gemara goes weiter. That is interesting. The Gemara switches gears a little bit over here and, and gets to a, a really beautiful and overwhelming Gemara. Asi Mishaleach. So we'll say, so now listen to this. So we're, we're, we're jumping back a little bit because remember, again, we kind of closed out the topic of the Seir Mishaleach. So remember, again, the last time we left off is the Ish Iti, right? The particular individual who was, who was trusted with taking out the Seir. So what did he do? He pushed it, he pushed it over the cliff. What does he do after he goes ahead and pushes it over the cliff? You remember, what did he do? He goes back to the last hut and he stays there until when? Until after Yom Kippur. The boss said, look what the Gemara brings down over here. Asi Mishaleach. Now the Mishaleach comes back. The boss said, now when does the Mishaleach, right? Also known as the Ishiti. When does he come back? When does he come back? After Yom Kippur, right? That night. So sometime after Yom Kippur, the quote unquote, the next day, he, he, if, he, if he meets up with the coin Gadol. Also listen to how beautiful this is. Asi Mishaleach. Matzo Beshuk La coin Gadol. If he runs into the coin gadol in the shuk in the marketplace, Omer Lo, he says to the coin gadol, Ishi coin gadol, Asinu Shluchasech. He says, Ishi coin gadol, coin gadol, I executed your agency. I was like, can you imagine this? Right? So sometime the next day, Isruchag, right? So the Mishaleach finds the coin gadol, he says, Coin gadol, I just want to let you know I did my job. Look at Rashi, which is a woman. Both sides, Rashi, five lines are from the bottom. Matzo Bashuk, Mechadol Lifneha Brios. The Omer Lo Ishi Koen Gadol. Supposed to listen to this. If the Mishaleach finds the Koen Gadol in the marketplace, which is a public setting, he says to the Koen Gadol, Koen Gadol, I executed your agency. Now Rashi points out over here, why is he saying to the Koen Gadol, I executed your agency? It's not a Koen Gadol's agency. Whose agency is it? Whose agency is it? The Ribbon Shalom's Cloud Yisrael. So Rashi points out over here, it's his way of giving the coin gadol covered. Since, right, since the shuk, since the marketplace is a public place, you give the coin gadol, you give the office of the coin gadol a bit more covered by telling the coin gadol, coin gadol, I executed your agency. Listen to this. However, again, if the ish et goes ahead and meets up with the coin gadol in the coin gadol's home, I was about to say, home means what? Means what? Private place. Other, other aren't other people around. Or lo, mechayi chayim asinu shlichuso. He says to coin gadol, coin gadol, mechayi chayim. He who gives life, we have performed his agency. So interestingly enough, if he meets up with the coin gadol in private, he says coin gadol, we performed hakadosh baruch hu's agency. Look at Rashi, mechayi chayim hu hakadosh baruch hu 
Asinu Shlichuso. So we'll say, it's actually a very interesting descriptive term of the Ribono Shel Olam. Mechaye Chayim. Right? You've seen Mechaye Mesim. Right? Mechaye Chayim. He who gives living or he who gives life to the living. So it's interesting, the Marsha, the Marsha, when he comments on this, says as follows. He says, um, let me read it to you. He says, near He says, We'll say, what does tshuva do? Tshuva gives life to the living. Tshuva gives life to the living, right? Without tshuva, chas v'shalom, those who are alive may no longer be blessed with the gift of life. So therefore, the act of performing tshuva is an act of mechaye chayim, giving life to the living. So therefore, again, if he bumps into the Kohen Gadol in private, so he gives the cover to the Ribbono Sha'olam, and he says, mechaye chayim, we have performed your shlichos. Quite beautiful. So the Gemara says as follows, which by the way, if you think about it, is such a beautiful insight also into the process of tshuva. There was tshuva. Tshuva is a way that you endow life to your life. It's a way that you endow living to your life. We'll say a person could be alive, but love dafka that they're living. Right? A person could be alive, but love dafka that they have meaning in their existence. The power of tshuva is that it's mechaye chayim. We're focused on the Ribbon Shalom's power in being a mechayim mason. That's incredible. But sometimes even more incredible than being Mechayim Esim is being Mechayim Chayim. Is the ability to endow meaning to a life that is already being lived. Such an incredible yisod. In any event, the Gemara goes right to our Rabba. Rabba said, When the rabbis in Pumpadisa would take leave of one another, Amri Hachi, they would say as follows, Mechayim Chayim Jose, isn't that beautiful? So the rabbis of Pupadisa, when they would take leave of each other, right, they would wish each other shalom, so they would give each other the bracha, that literally, he who gives life to the living should give you a long life, a good life, umitukanin. Jose, this lashna, mitukanin, is very interesting. What's mitukanin? Mitukanin means, right, an orderly life. A masudr life. Because they're both saying, what's one of the most, we've spoken about this before, you know, one, one of the most important things a person could have in their life is a concept of seder, is a concept of order. Where there is order, there is productivity. Where there is chaos, there is often a lack of productivity. So they would bless each other. Listen to the bracha. So they would bless each other with a long life, a good life, and an orderly life. Because again, where there is order, where there is Seder, that's where a person is able to fully maximize their existence. An incredible Yisod. Jose, the Gemara quotes a bit more. This is so beautiful. David Amal says in Tehillim, I will walk before Hashem in the land of the living. So Jose suggests so you understand, the Gemara, is, the Gemara is bothered by this Lashon. What do you mean, I'll walk before God in the land of the living, as opposed to what? I'll walk before God in the land of the dead. In other words, what, what, what is it, what is Dar al referring to the land of the living? Well, so listen to this. This refers to a place that has marketplaces. The Shuk, the Shuk. 
it refers to a place that, uh, that I will walk before God in a place that has marketplaces. So what, what does that mean? Take a look at Rashi. Zemakom Shvakim Rashi says, Sha'adam Motse Liknos Mizonosov, Ulafi Shahayo David Metaltal Novinad, Hayim Spal Dabar. Both say, listen to how beautiful this is. Remember again, this is a supplication. This is David saying, Hashem, I hope to walk before you in the land of the living. What's called the land of a living, according to David Amalek? It's a place with supermarkets, right? With shvakim, with, with marketplaces. David Hamelech spent a good number of years wandering and running and did not have the resources readily available to sustain himself. So David Amalek said, you know what I want more than anything? is I'd love to lead a normal life where there's a supermarket, where there's a shuk, where I could buy food, where I'm not running day to day for my existence trying to figure out how I'm going to survive. But we'll say, isn't that an incredible yisod? Isn't that an incredible yisod? There's sometimes we daven for such beautiful and meaningful and lofty big miracles, but yet we forget to thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu and appreciate the simple, beautiful things that we have day in and day out, that you can go to a supermarket, that food is readily accessible, that the things that make daily living a bit comfortable are within my fingertips. Again, yes, there's plenty that's wrong, there's plenty that's broken, plenty that's not good, but look what David Amalek is for. And it's incredible. People interpret this phrase in such like lofty spiritual ways. A life of spirituality, a life of holiness. And the Yubara says, what does David HaMelech want? He wants Machane Yehuda, right? Give me Machane Yehuda, give me super salt, right? Just, just, right, right? Just, just, just give me a supermarket that what I need is readily accessible. And if you give me what I need in a readily accessible way, then life is good. I was saying, you know, sometimes it's kedai to try to figure out how to become much simpler and low-maintenance people who find happiness and find fulfillment in the little things in life that make life, little conveniences in life, that make life just how much happier we would be if we found the joy in supermarkets, right? If we found the joy in the shuk. But that's what David HaMelech wants. What I do want to point out is, remember again, the Gemara says, why does David HaMelech appreciate the supermarket? Why does he appreciate the supermarket? Why? Because he didn't have it, right? Because he didn't have it. Because when, you see, it's the unfortunate nature of the human condition that we tend to only appreciate things when we don't have them. Just like we tend to only really appreciate people when we don't have them as well. So here, again, David HaMelech appreciates the supermarket. Why? Because he didn't have it. Because he spent years running, trying to sustain himself. Incredible. So the Gemara goes right there. So also listen to this. So now he quotes the Pasek from Mishlei. Literally again, longevity of days, Ushnos Chaim, and years of life, he will add to you. So we'll say, so once again, the Gemara is bothered by the Yesh Shanam Shalchaim, the Yesh Shanam Sheinan Shalchaim. What does it mean when we ask Kaddish Baruch Hu for Shanim Shnos Chaim, years of life? In other words, I don't understand. Are there years of life and years not of life? In other words, once the Pazak is saying, Ki longevity of days, it could have just said, Shnos, and years. 
Why does it have to say Shnos Chaim, years of life? So the Gemara is supposed to think how beautiful this is. On Rebbe Lazar, this is along the same theme. Elu Shnos of Shal Adam, Hamishapchos Alav Meira Alatova. This refers to the years of a person's life where he went from a difficult situation to an easier situation. Difficult circumstances to good circumstances. We'll say, what happens when a person goes from difficult circumstances to good circumstances? A new lease on life. A new lease on life. Shnos, that's called Shnos Chaim, where I feel that now my life has turned around. It feels like a brand new life. Look at Rashi. Shem is hapchos alav. Rashi gives an example. Misha haya ani bialduso. For example, let's say someone was poor in their youth. Vena'asa ashir. And then they became wealthy. Le'isaziknusa, when they got older. Domelo kilu achshav chai mitoch misa. It feels as if they've been brought, brought back from the dead. So in Mishlei, Shomach is referring to Orech Yavim's longevity of days. Perhaps that could refer to someone whose life has always been good. Ushnos Chaim. And sometimes some people experience a rebirth in life. And when do people experience a rebirth in life? When I have brand new circumstances. My circumstances were difficult. Now my circumstances are good. Now I feel like I was just reborn. So we'll say it's interesting. So these, these two pieces, remember this is father and son. Mishle is Shlomo. Tehillim is David. So in Tehillim, David is saying, David HaMelech says, Oh, what I wouldn't give to walk in the land of the living supermarkets. Ashuk. I appreciate now the little things in life. And then Shlomo says, Ki yamim, chayim. You know, when you go from adversity, when you go from adversity, ultimately again to deliverance, you feel like you have a new lease on life. We'll say, there's your old experiences. Yeah, ever, whatever it may be. And sometimes it's even like very, very small things. Very small things. We'll say, I, remember I was driving somewhere the, the other, the, a couple of weeks ago, and Mam Shah nowhere, I got like a flat tire. And, and, you know, was, was stuck for a little while. And it's interesting, like, when you have a even a, which, which is, in the grand scheme of things, is not exactly like an existential crisis of the human condition. But when it's happening, you begin to feel like a shtickle dejected, right? I, was, I wanted to get here, I wanted to get there. And, you know, then when that tire is working again, it sounds strange, but, like, you have a shtickle new lease on life, right? Like, life is good. Like, you realize, like... You know, all those other times when I'm driving and everything is fine and I'm just getting from point A to point B, it's really good. It's really good. What's the problem? The problem is you feel that way for about like 7.3 minutes, right? And then you're right back to where you were before. And those type of things happen all of the time. I'm in like a difficult matzav and difficult is relative, right? Then I, Baruch Hashem, I'm delivered from that matzav. I feel so good and feel so happy and so appreciative of little things. But then I kind of just launch back to my high maintenance level once again. And what David HaMalach and Shulamalach are saying is, you know, if you could live life with a true appreciation of the little things and feel shnos chayim and feel like a new lease on life, whenever those little things happen, you really live a happy life. That's the sort of happiness doesn't really come from the big things, but happiness comes from a profound appreciation of the little things which happen day in and day out. Incredible. The Gemara goes weiter. The Gemara goes weiter. Aleichem Ishim Ekra. So we'll say the Pasuk over here quotes once again from Mishlei. Aleichem Ishim Ekra. What does this mean? So the Gemara says, Amra Brachia, Eilu Tamidi Chacham. Also listen to this. This refers to Tamidi Chachamim Shedomin Lenashim. 
Tamidi Chachamim are like women. What does it mean? are like women. Rashi says over here. Rashi says, Anusnin koach. Sometimes the Tamid Chacham is a little bit weaker, physically weaker, like a woman. I will say, what does this mean? If sometimes Tamid Chachamim are physically compromised, don't have the same vigor and vitality, ultimately because they're sitting in the base medrash the whole day. Yet, Va'usin Gvura Ka'anoshin. But yet they're able to go ahead and perform feats of spiritual strength, of strength like men. So we'll say that's the Aleichem Ishim Ekra. So the Ishim, we'll say, so the Ishim over here is a little bit of a play on words, right? That the Tamut Chacham is sometimes like an Isha, sometimes like a woman, and that it could be in a little bit of a weakened state, but yet able to perform acts of vigor and strength like a man as well. What happens if today a person wants to go ahead and pour wine on the Mizbeach? Aye, but there's no Mizbeach. I don't yet have a base Hamikdash. So what should you do? Yemale gronom shal tamidi chachamim yayin. Fill the throats of tamidi chachamim with wine. With wine. Then we'll say, now what does this mean? That if a person wants to go ahead and have the schos, ultimately of going ahead and offering up karbanos, support tamidi chachamim. So we'll say what that means is on a, on a bigger level is that in the absence of the base Hamikdash, what keeps Klal Yisrael solidified and stable? Torah. The truth is, even with the Beis HaMikdash, it's Torah that keeps us solidified and stable. Balalachas Kama Vakama, in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, it's Torah that keeps us solidified, stable, and grounded. So in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, what should you do? Support Torah. Support Torah. That's what the Gemara means when it says, if you want to pour wine in the Mizbeach, what should you do? Pour wine down the throats of Tamidi Chachamim. Support Tamidi Chachamim, support Torah, and that'll lead to the stability of Cloud Israel. So the Gemara goes right there. If a person sees that Torah is leaving his offspring, he should marry the daughter of a Tamut Chacham. Well, so we spoke about this before last week's year about the power in Reb Tzadok, about the power of marrying the daughter of a Tamut Chacham because a woman, a girl, absorbs the ruchnias of her home, and is able to bring that to the new home that she is going to build. So literally translated, what this means is, if a man sees that his children are going off the derech, he should marry the daughter of a Talmud Chacham. Shnei Amar, im yaskin ba'aretz sharsho, u ba'afar yamos gizo. Literally, again, if his root becomes old in the earth, and in the dirt, the trunk is dying, amadez, mariach mayim yifriach, Literally again, from a whiff of the water, ultimately he will blossom. And his, 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 literally again, and the harvest will become from something that was properly planted. If you look at Rashi, first of all, what does this mean? It's a strange Gemara. If a person sees that his children are going off the derech, he should marry a Bas Talmud Chacham. So the Marashah gives two explanations on this. The Marashah says, maybe it actually means that if a man sees that children going off the derech, maybe the woman that he's married to, right? Maybe that present husband and wife are not a good enough influence on their present children. And what? He should marry a second wife. That's possibility one. Marashah says the other possibility is, 
he should go ahead and make sure to marry off his children. Right? So let's say he has a son who is not going down the right derech. He has a son, ultimately, again, who's not going ahead and making the right choices in life. Marry him off to the right kind of girl. Both say so again. It's reflecting of a different time when children listen to their parents about who to marry, right? And again, about, certainly about arranged marriages and things like that. But if a person sees that his child is not going down the right derech, so a person should make sure to marry off his child to someone who could provide the right type of influence. Richard both say, in general, such an incredibly profound yisod about how, who we marry, right? And this goes both ways has a profound influence on the homes we build and the children we raise. And that again, this is a beautiful sentiment, how shaykh its application is in today's day and age, is probably subject to some type of question, but ultimately again, a person sees their child struggling. A person sees their child struggling, the ability of a parent to go ahead and influence who the child marries, to be a credible, to be a proper influence on that child. Again, I will say, Different times, different times. I don't, I, I don't know how, I don't know how implementable this particular gemara is today. But at least it could be that when our children are young, and I will say, we know that so much of chinuch is the is the things that we do and we tell our children when they're young, and the ability to instill within children about what to look for in a prospective spouse is so incredibly important. And it does start even when children are young, right? To highlight, like, what are the important things? And again, parents often model this. What are the important things in a marriage? What are the important things in a home? What are the important qualities in a spouse? Those are the kind of things that amazingly enough you can instill within children, even from a very young age. But you see from here, also an interesting idea that if a person is struggling, also it's interesting, if a person is struggling, sometimes the antidote to the struggle is marriage, interestingly enough, because the framework of marriage provides a level of stability that the single person may not enjoy. And that stability is sometimes what is ultimately necessary in order for a person to get themselves on the straight and narrow in life. Incredible, Yisrael Bosai. The Gemara goes weiter. Another incredible story. The Yomtov Haya Osela Oavos. Remember again, it's actually quoting the end of the Mishnah, right? Remember again, the end of the Mishnah was the Kangadal would come out of his, would come out of the Kodesh HaKadosh. And after Yom Kippur, he would make a Yomtov. He would make a celebration for all of his, uh, for Oavav, for all those who loved him, the Krovrab, for his relatives. So let's listen to this Gemara. Turn around, on. One time, the particular coin gadol. Now, interesting, the Gemara does not tell us who this was. The name of the coin gadol. Coin gadol came out of the Kodesh Hakadoshim. Vahavu azle kule alma basre. Now, both saying. Now, the image that's that's being highlighted is as follows: It's after Yom Kippur. The coin gadol has come out of the base Hamikdash. Not even after Yom Kippur, but it's after the avod of Yom Kippur. The Kohen Gadol is walking out of the Beis HaMikdash. And there's an entire entourage that is following him, which makes sense. He must have been mobbed when he left the confines of the Beis HaMikdash to walk to his house. So a whole group of people walking with him. Kevan, the Chazin of the Shmai Once the people saw Shmai of Talion, and remember again, Shmai of Talion were the leaders, right? Remember again, I will say, there was a period of time, this is during Bayes Rishon, where again, there were, the leadership model were zugos, pairs. Right? So Shmainaf, remember Shmainaf Talion are the Rebbe or the Rebbeim of Hillel. So this is even before Hillel. 
and the people saw Shlain of Talion, Shavkua Lididei, Vaazli Basar Shmai Vaftaino. Both listen to this. So the people see Shmai of Talion, the Gedoli Hadar. What did they do? They left the Kohen Gadol and they went to Shmai of Talion. Well, so you can imagine the scene. So it's after Yom Kippur, or maybe it's even still during Yom Kippur. Kohen Gadol is leaving the base Hamikdash. The people are mobbing, they're flocking around the Kohen Gadol. Then they see Shmai of Talion. The group leaves the Kohen Gadol and they go to Shmai of Talion. Lusof, Asu Shmai of Avtalion, they have two remine the Kohen Gadol. So ultimately, again, I will say, then Shmai of Avtalion go to take leave of the Kohen Gadol. So they, get, they come to give Shalom to the Kohen Gadol as well, to say goodbye, Yashikayach, Hatzlacha to the Kohen Gadol. So I will say, what happens? Amr Lahon, Amr Lahen, the Kohen Gadol said to Shmai of Avtalion, Yasun bene Amamin Lashalom. The sons of the Gentile nations should go to Shalom. I will say, Shmai of Avtalion were descendants of Gerim. Right, remember again, Shmaya Talion and say, amazingly enough, were great grandsons of Sancheriv, the king of Ashur. Right, Sancheriv was the one who exiled the ten tribes. Shmaya Talion were, were, were the children, were the descendants of converts. The Kohen Gadol was Bregis with Shmaya Talion. Why, why was he Bregis with them? Because he felt slighted by them. He felt, here, all the people are following me. Then you guys come along, the people go ahead and follow you. So he was brightest with them. And he says to them, the sons of the nations, right? He says to them, he calls them sons b'nei Amamin. So it was, it was a shtach. It was a shtach. He was calling them the sons of Gerim. So he said, you should go, you should go in peace, sons of Gerim. Amr Luhu, say, listen to this. So Shvayin of time and give Musa to the Kohen Gadol. They say, Amr Lehi, Yosun b'nei Amamin l'shalom da'abdin uvda da'aram. Yes. The sons of the nations will go in peace because they conduct themselves in the manner of Aaron Akoin. But the son of Aaron should not go in peace for he does not conduct himself in the ways of the Zayd and the ways of Aaron. So we'll say, she might have time to give, 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 give Musr back to the Kohen Gadol because they say as far as we'll say, look at Rashi, the of the Uvda the Aaron wrote face Shalom. We'll say what was the essence of Aaron Akoin? Aaron Akoin was an Oiv Shalom, the Rodev Shalom, Oiv Esabrios, Umekarvan the Torah. Aaron Akoin was a lover of peace, a pursuer of peace, a lover of people, and brought them back to Torah. So we'll say, so Shemayin of Tan said to the Kohen Gadol, Unfortunately, we resemble your Zayda more than you resemble your Zayda, right? Because the sons, right? the sons of the nations are more like Aaron, roads face Shalom, than ultimately, again, the son of Aaron himself, who unfortunately is not a road. Look at Rashi, the law of it, of the Aaron, Shahonisa Onas Devarim. Because we'll say now, why did they say the Kohen Gadol was not a disciple of Aaron? Because we'll say, remember again, the Kohen Gadol violated an Isidar Isa. This Shadarai says, Lo sonu ish es achiv. Both say the concept of onas devarim. Onas devarim means you cannot say hurtful things to people. And one of the things that you're not supposed to do is to remind people of, of a not so glorious past. So you're never supposed to say to a person who converted, I remember when you were a guy? Remember when you were a guy? Tell me, how was the shellfish? Right? How, how, let's be honest, tell me, how was it? How was it? Right? It must have been good being a guy, right? It must have been good. I would say people do this all the time. Un- unknowingly, unknowingly, and not meant as a way to hurt. But the idea is, remember, everyone has things in their past 
that they're not exactly so proud of. We don't go ahead and remind people of, of whatever it is in their past. And again, once I want to be clear, when a person converts, they have nothing to be embarrassed about in their past. They're like, for care, just the opposite. Person makes an active decision to go ahead and join Klai Israel. It's incredible. But again, once you're a member of Klai Israel, a member of Klai Israel, we don't, what do we, person, that, that person wants to speak about their past. They can do so. But it's not for me to bring that up. So ultimately, the fact that the Queen Gadol brought up the fact that Shemayin of Tan were descendants from Gerim was fundamentally inappropriate. Now, maybe there were other people there also, but other people there are not people there. It was fundamentally inappropriate. So ultimately, again, Shemayin of Talion say to the Kohen Gadol, unfortunately, again, we, yes, who are descendants from the nations of the world, conduct ourselves more like Aaron than you, the actual descendant of Aaron. I will say, in the Kedah of go back to what we said before, I will say, say to yourself, one second, Maybe wouldn't the proper midah might have been maybe to say nothing at all, right? Just to move on. Well, so we've learned this before. That sometimes it's better again just to be silent. We spoke about this in Rapsadik as well. But you see that sometimes there is the need when you see something wrong occurring, there is a need to go ahead and step up and take a stand. We'll say also remember again, Shmain of Talion, their covet was not only their covet, their covet was the covet Torah. And for covet Torah, one is not permitted to be silent. For your personal honor. Again, for my personal covet, that I could take a pass. I'm fine, you know, it's not, I'm not going to see anything. But Shemayin of Talion, their covet is not their covet. Their covet is covet Torah. And when the covet Torah and the honor of Torah, which is the honor of God, is impugned, a person is actually obligated to step up and to say something. So they go out and they give mustard to the Kondal. They will say an incredible yisod. You also see from here that what? How important it is that every person, not just go on and have to really be the embodiments of Arna Kohen. So we'll say, here's what's also amazing. Why did the Kohen Gadol say something? Let me have to go. Why did the Kohen Gadol say something? Why did he say something? He was, right? he was hurt. See, I will say, a lot of times in life when people say mean things, they don't really mean the mean thing that they're saying. They're just acting out because they're hurt. Now again, that's not a license to do mean things, but it sometimes helps you understand a little bit of human behavior. People are good. People are really good at their core. And when they do things that are not good, it's often just because they're acting out because they're hurt. It's not a license, but it helps you to understand why good people do bad things. Mishnah. Kohen Gadol goes ahead and wears eight garments when he's doing the Avodah. And a Kohen Hedyot only wears four. What are the four? Ksones umichnasayim. Right, literally again, a tunic, a tunic, pants, umitznefes, a hat, va'avnet a belt. Most of I love Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol wears additional garments. Choshen, the Choshen is the breastplate. Aphod is an apron. Me'il, a robe. Sits, which is the headplate worn on the forehead of the Kohen Gadol. When the Kohen Gadol was wearing these things, he could ask, right? They are permitted to ask of the Urim Vitumim. Well, so remember again, the Urim Vitumim, the breastplate, has the 72 letter name of Hashem inserted in the fold. And it is there that they have the ability to consult the Ribbon Shalom regarding certain things. Who is permitted to ask the Urim Vitumim? So who's permitted to ask the Urim Vitumim? Who's permitted to consult God through the vehicle of the Urim Vitumim? The king, the Av Bezdin, and someone who the Tzibor needs. I will say, by the way, that last phrase is so profound. That isn't our goal in life to become someone who the Tzibor needs. 
Right, Jabal said, right? That's my goal. I want to become someone, not important, Alt's but I want to know that I am someone who the Tzibor needs. Because if you are someone who the Tzibor needs, then what? You're mamish like the Melech, you're mamish like the Avbeis. And says the Gemara Tan Rabbanan, Tivarim Shinam Bar Bahen Sheish, Chudan Kafal Shish. This is an interesting idea. When the Torah uses the Lashon of Sheish, Nebosh Sheish means linen. We'll define that in just a moment. When the Torah uses Lashon of Sheish, Sheish means something that is a thread made of six strings. It's a six string thread. Mashezar Shmona. Mashezar means an eight string thread. Mi'il, Shnei Masar. Mi'il means a 12 string thread. Parochas, Esrim Ve'arba, 24 string thread. Choshen Ve'epod, Esrim Ushmona. Choshen Ve'epod ultimately is made of a 28 string thread. So let's analyze. Chutan, Kaful, Shisha Minalan. But say, how do we know that ultimately, again, Chutan, Kaful is a six string thread? Where do we know that? From Damakra, Vayasu Es HaKisones, Sheish. Pasik says, they'll make the Kisones, Sheish. Ves hamitznefes sheish, ves parei hamigbaos sheish, ves michnesi abad sheish mashazar. Chamisha kreiksiro. So both say, the Torah mentions sheish five different times. What does that come to teach me? One time it mentions sheish is to teach me that it's made of linen. So both say, one time sheish actually teaches me that these items are made of linen. Vechad sheichutan kafal shisha. One time it's a teacher, I will say that the thread, the linen thread, one linen thread is actually made of what? Six different strings. So the thread is made up of six different strings. The Chal Garden. One is to apply this to different articles of chronic clothing as well. Shalonem Rabahan Sheish. The Chal And one to teach you that this is an indispensable detail. So my mashma, the high Shish Kisnu. So I say, how do I know that Sheish is linen? Or as well say, how do I know that Sheish is? So I will say, so there's two things happening over here. It's called Sheish, right? Because again, each thread of linen is made of what? Is made of what? Six different strings. But how do I know that sheish itself is linen? How do I know that? So the Gemara Bad. The Pasuk says Bad. Bad means linen. Bad, Bad. It refers to something that grows from the ground, stalked by stalk. Remember again, now linen is made from what? Flax. The way you make linen is you beat flax, and flax comes up, one, grows out of the ground one stalk at a time. Maybe it's referring to wool, because wool also grows from the sheep, you know, one, one strand of wool at a time. In other words, it comes up one strand of wool. Amra, if tzuli miftzal, so ultimately, again, wool splinters, right? They're literally splinters. Kisna nami of tzuli miftzal, aye, but linen also splinters. No, it's not true. Actually, when flax grows, flax grows as a cohesive stalk. It's only once you beat it, right, that it becomes splintered pieces of linen. Rav comes from here. So, so again, Yecheskel, so interestingly enough, the Rabbi Yecheskel says, Pari Pishtim Yuah Rosham, they will wear hats of Pishtim on their head, and, and pants of linen they'll wear on their flesh. So you see from here, Yecheskel is, is, is explicitly saying that what? That the big day kuna are made of linen. To which the Gemara says, that's nice. So the Gemara says, we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Amir Tzashem with Yecheskel tomorrow. So we'll say, so again, what comes out over here is that the big day kuna are made of linen. Right? Each strand of linen is made from six threads. 
from where we know that it's linen, the Yomar just quoted a Pasuk from Yechezkel. The Shadah is going to become what? Before Yechezkel, where did we know it's from? To be continued tomorrow. Shall I say, Joy? We have to 